This is the Manufacturing Report. I'm Scott Paul. You can find us on iTunes and SoundCloud. And I need to ask you a favor before we get started. Please take a moment to help us spread the word. Write a review of this podcast and share it with a friend who would enjoy the Manufacturing Report. You can tweet us at Keep It Made in USA, find us on Facebook at American Manufacturing, and you can connect with us on our website, AmericanManufacturing.org. Today, we dive into the argument, what is taking more manufacturing jobs from our shores? Is it trade or is it robots and zombies? We'll be joined by the president of the Economic Policy Institute, Larry Michelle, who has co-authored a new report, The Zombie Robot Argument Lurches On. Let's get started. And I am pleased to be joined by Larry Michelle, who is the president of the Economic Policy Institute, uh, a role in which he's served since 2002. Uh, in addition to leading EPI, uh, Larry is a an acknowledged scholar uh, in different types of uh, labor economics issues, uh, including the impact of automation on employment. And this is especially relevant because if you look at the headlines, uh, you hear arguments that the zombie robot apocalypse is going to uh, is, is going to destroy the American workforce. Uh, I'm just looking at headlines from the New York Times, evidence that robots are winning the race for American jobs, or from The Guardian, robots will eliminate 6% of all U.S. jobs by 2021, or the Pew Center, uh, two-thirds of Americans expect that robots and computers will do much of the work currently done by humans within 50 years. Now, Larry uh, and his colleague Josh Bivens have made an important contribution to our understanding of this issue with a report released uh, just a few days ago uh, called The Zombie Robot Argument Lurches On. And I want to welcome Larry to the Manufacturing Report uh, and say uh, thanks for this, uh, this report. I think it sheds much needed light on the topic and and tell us a, a bit about your your rationale your motivation uh for for you and josh producing uh this uh this important uh report well thanks it's great to be with you scott and thank you for all the work you do at aam um well we basically get fed up with all the uh media attention on robots as if um the big crisis facing the american workforce uh, is automation. Um, and while ignoring the evident crises that we've faced for four decades of having good jobs with rising wages, I never see why we should be worried about robots 15, 20 years from now when we have so much to address right now. It's also, I think, relevant to the AAM um, agenda that people are bringing forth technology as an alternative to dealing with trade. There's a lot of reasons for this robot mantra by the media, but one of them has been that elite pundits want to point people to technology and automation as what has damaged manufacturing employment, so as to say that we don't have to worry about our trade policies. And that is misleading on many different levels. It's true that automation has eliminated many manufacturing jobs for many, many decades. It is also true 
that we have substantial trade problems that have uh, led to the displacement of uh, millions of uh, American manufacturing workers. So we needed to respond to this and call attention to the true crisis that American workers face, which is the fact that they haven't seen their wages go up for the vast majority of them for, for many, many decades. In saying all this, I'm not ignoring the fact that people do lose their jobs because of automation. And we could face uh, substantial job losses, let's say for truckers uh, or others, when we have self-driving vehicles. Those things may happen. Uh, what will really benefit those truckers who lose their jobs is the same thing that would really benefit the manufacturing workers who lose their jobs. That is access to a good job. I mean, it's important to have uh, dislocation assistance and training, but those will never work, and they have never worked, unless there are good jobs at good wages for people to transition into. So, so let's dive into this uh, automation versus trade as a leading cost, as a leading cause of job loss, uh, particularly in manufacturing. And you said they're 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 both true, and I agree with that. There are certainly uh, far fewer people working in a steel mill today than there would have been 30, 40 years ago with tremendously more output. So there, there's no doubt about the, 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 the impact of productivity automation. Uh, but the net effect may be a different story. So, so which is more true, particularly since 2000 in this millennium? Uh, is trade more responsible for manufacturing job loss or is automation? That's a great question, and uh, one of the things that uh, made me write this paper with Josh was that an a article in the New York Times claiming that a new study from MIT showed that we were going to lose all these jobs from robots, and that was much more important than trade. Uh, in fact, uh, the paper itself, buried in footnote 26, said that our findings are that trade uh, caused a uh, trade from China alone. Uh, cause three times the job loss as uh, robots. So the fact is that, you know, in the 2000s, over the last 16, 17 years, uh, trade has been a, a very important factor in uh, the erosion of, of manufacturing employment. And productivity and automation, in fact, has been relatively slow. One of the things we find is that uh, there's evidence that manufacturing, that productivity and automation has been far slower over the last 10, 12 years than it's been over the whole post-war period. And in fact, with data back to 1850, we think that automation is slower in the 2000s um, than it's been at any time in the period since 1850. So this is, uh, I mean, this makes sense to me from uh, being a policy practitioner in this area, but yet you have folks like Robert Z. Lawrence at Harvard who is, is, is willing to put a very precise percentage on the number of jobs lost to manufacturing, lost to trade versus uh, automation. Uh, Laura Tyson, uh, Michael Porter just came out with something saying that, uh, you know, technology and globalization uh, form some sort of cycle uh, that, that leads to this displacement. Uh, Ball State University had a study saying that uh, something like 
83% of the manufacturing jobs lost uh, recently were due to automation. What's what's the agenda behind all these claims, which uh, uh, Asimoglu and his own research and uh, you and Josh Bivens and others have, have examined critically and said there's not, not a lot of meat there? Well, I, you know, I think that uh, in part because of the rise of uh, President Trump, and the more attention to trade policy, there's people that are determined to dismiss trade as uh, any bit of importance, and I think they're they're misguided. Um, they're, the data that people use, it's always the same data looking at all manufacturing, and it turns out that the big productivity growth was in one very small segment of manufacturing uh, about computers, and the job losses were in uh, non-computer manufacturing. So it's only when you add it all together that you can make it seem like productivity is responsible for all the job losses. In fact, uh, it's the non, non-computer manufacturing where the job losses were, and which is uh, heavily influenced by trade. And the, and the automation or productivity advance is actually in computers. So it's, it's, a, it's a funny thing that they do. They know this. It's been pointed out to them, but um, and I wouldn't believe anything Robert Lawrence ever said to anybody. I've been debating him for 30-some-odd years, and he always comes up with clever things to say um, trade doesn't really matter, doesn't really hurt workers. In fact, you know, inter- international trade theory and economics would tell you that you can't get gains from trade unless you actually are displacing people, moving people out of manufacturing into other jobs, and necessarily going to diminish the living standards of the non-college educated workers that are part of the manufacturing workforce. If you, if there is no pain, there is no gain. But we have a mantra that would tell people that uh, we are getting gains with no pain. And there is real pain. Some of it may be associated with um, productivity and some of it with unfair trade practices. Uh, And the way to deal with these are two things. One, we should have better trade policy. Two, we have to make sure that jobs in this country uh, pay a decent wage so that if someone does lose their job, they can move into another job that has a pension, that has health care, that they can raise a family on. So, Larry, that that leads to a, a nice concluding point here, which is, you know, uh, technology, automation. I mean, look, these these are uh, changes that societies have endured and absorbed for for centuries now in 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 different waves. Um, and uh, there there is a policy response to that, certainly, but but more broadly, from an economic perspective. Uh, economic policy perspective, uh, what is the suite of policies, uh, particularly for the goods-producing manufacturing sector, uh, they're going to yield the greatest benefits uh, as we move forward? Well, first and foremost, you know, we should not yield on our manufacturing sector. It's a very important sector. It's important for uh, the, the nation as a whole in terms of innovation and productivity, important for our security, important for uh, providing good jobs to to people. So we should do everything we can to um, 
you know, make our manufacturing as vital as possible and competitive and to fight um, the loss of jobs from, uh, you know, people being subsidized or from manipulating exchange rates or anything they, they may try. Uh, at the same time, if uh, we recognize that there are going to be an evolution of automation and other things where people lose jobs, we have to make sure that they are able to get uh, adequate assistance through a, a meaningful trade adjustment assistance, through a robust unemployment insurance program, and access to community colleges or apprenticeship training or any other thing that allows them to uh, improve their uh, skills so they can move into other jobs. But none of that will be meaningful unless we have a nation which is dedicated to producing good jobs at good wages for its working people. Because you can get all the education training you want. If they can't lead you to a job that's being created that you can support your family on, then it's, uh, it's, it's, it's an, a, not a good use of your time or the public resources. Anything that you'd like to add that I missed, Larry? You know, the, the robots get clicks on the web. They get people to read newspaper articles. Uh, it highlights the special role of the technology sector, which loves to think that they are transforming America and our world. Um, but, you know, just because you have a new phone that does amazing things doesn't mean that workplaces have been transformed. The phone is between you and your phone. Uh, getting ordering from Amazon rather than a brick-and-mortar store doesn't really change the world of work. It just changes how you order your, your books or other things. Uh, everything is not really about technology. We really have to look at what's actually happening in workplaces. Uh, the evidence is that um, the investment in information equipment and software and capital in America's workplaces is happening at a slower pace uh, over the last 10, 12 years than at any time in the post-war period. We are not experiencing an upsurge of automation. Will we in the future? Maybe, maybe not. But I'm not ready to uh, start worrying about a future crisis 15, 20 years from now of robots when, in fact, we have a crisis right now in making sure that everybody earns a decent standard of living. Great. And you can find this report co-authored by Larry Michelle and Josh Bivens, The Zombie Robot Argument Lurches On, uh, on the Economic Policy Institute's website, epi.org. Larry, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, Scott. And that will do it for the Manufacturing Report for this week. This and past episodes of the podcast are available on iTunes and SoundCloud. If you'd like to hear more, please take a moment to like the podcast and perhaps even write a review and share with a friend who would enjoy the Manufacturing Report. You can connect with us on our website, AmericanManufacturing.org, and you can tweet us at KeepItMadeInUSA. I want to thank the great teams at E18 and AAM, as well as Larry Michelle, for making this podcast possible. Thanks again for joining us, and see you next week. Together, we can keep it made in America.